time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. I have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, cause it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, as we, <clears throat> excuse me, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour, my guest this hour is the uh, author of the international best-selling book "You Were Not Born to Suffer." Now they tell me uh, it has been uh, recently updated and uh, fully revised the uh, author of the book blake d bauer joins me now by phone hey blake welcome to the show hi tom thank you so much for having me um why do so many people seem to want to suffer well that is a very loaded question i don't know if we we (laughs) I don't know if we really want to suffer. I I just think that we, since we were young children, have learned very self-destructive habits. And so we're used to hurting ourselves and letting ourselves get hurt. And so we create a lot of unnecessary suffering in our lives. And I think we watch our parents do it and we watch our friends do it. And a lot of us are just at a loss of how to, uh, you know, prevent all the additional suffering that we're really good at creating. How much suffering do we do at our own hands versus at the hands of others? You know, it's an interesting question. I, I don't I don't know what kind of percentage to put it on, but I think, you know, I, I try to always come from a place of, you know, how can I take personal responsibility for this situation? And I I think, you know, as we, you know, grow, we, we realize that blaming and, complaining doesn't really solve our problems so we have to find a way to take responsibility even for the situations where we're you know we feel hurt with other people and so the question there is you know why am i allowing this and how am i allowing this you know why do i keep going back to the situation you know why do i keep touching the fire and letting myself get burned you know why do i keep going back to the toxic relationship or the toxic work environment uh, or to that toxic uh, addiction you know, so I think it's it's really healthy to reframe the question. You know, why do I keep letting myself get hurt? Why do I keep hurting myself? Why do I keep choosing that? Why am I not trying to choose 
something else. And Blake, you're a world-renowned teacher and speaker, um, and you've um, had a lot of success with this book. How did you decide to take this on and try to help people deal with their emotional, physical, and, and mental issues? Um, was it from something you experienced uh, in your own life? Yes, it, it all came from my own, um, you know, life journey and experience. I grew up in a dysfunctional family around a lot of drug addiction in particular. And <laughs> where, every day, where every day is Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> ironic because I was actually born on Thanksgiving, so that's a oh, big that's, theme in my life. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of us, we grow up around parents and families that have all these self-destructive habits, and then we inherit them. And so as a young man, I got heavily into drugs and alcohol myself and, and became quite uh, addicted and, and was abusing those substances. And by the time I was 18, I had been arrested a number of times. Um, I played sports growing up. I played uh, American football and was a, a co-captain of the varsity football team with my two best friends in high school <clears throat> excuse me and I had offers to play in college and I got a very bad DUI on pharmaceutical pills uh, cannabis and alcohol one night I actually fell asleep in front of train tracks at three o'clock in the morning and thankfully I put my car in park and was arrested got kicked off the football team lost the offers I had to play in college and from there, at the age of 18, I, I spiraled downhill into a, a suicidal depression, basically, because I destroyed everything that I cared about. And at that time, at that young age, everything that I identified with, it was my ego and who I believed myself to be. So at 18, I found myself tortured psychologically and emotionally. And um, then that progressed into me only wanting to figure out how to free myself from, from that pain because I was waking up every day very paralyzed and anxious and insecure and confused and then at 18 trying to figure out what to do with my life. And so figuring out how to heal my own pain, my own mental and emotional pain, and, and then figure out the purpose of my life became these two driving questions and forces in my life to the point where it, it, it took over everything. And then over the years, through studies, through practices, you know, through the things I found that helped me, this natural inclination to, grew inside of me just to share it with other people because I was desperate, like 100% desperate. And so all I wanted to do, and the only thing that really moved me was just genuinely sharing with other people what had helped me free myself from my own torment. And then over the years, it just grew and grew and grew. And I found that there's just a lack of really genuine, effective help in the world. There are some great people, but then there's a lot of people that just, um, you know, don't seem to meet people in the way they, they need to be met to, to get that real help. Does a does a person have to have um, those kinds of um, uh, problems and and that level of of depression and substance abuse um, in order to realize that they need to do things to improve? No, I don't think so. 
But I think that, you know, we all throughout life have major, you know, lessons that we have to learn in order to grow and be healthy and happy and, and, you know, not have regret, you know, I think when we die. And so I think that those lessons come in, in a lot of different forms for a lot, for some people, it's a physical illness that is a wake up call. Sometimes it's a car accident is a wake up call. Sometimes a bad marriage or a bad relationship is the wake up call or losing someone you love. So these wake up calls come in different uh, forms. But in my worldview is that all of our suffering is basically a cry from life and our soul or our subconscious mind teaching us to value ourselves more, value the miracle of our life. And then that translates into being able to love and value and appreciate, you know, being alive, the people we care about the most, not taking these things for granted, you know, our health, the people we love, the things that are good in our life. And so, no, I don't think you need to suffer that deeply to uh, face these lessons and then benefit from that awareness. And and with that um, sort of in mind, um, when you decide it's time to make some changes and to make some improvements to your life, um, is is there such a thing as fixed that you can sort of set it and forget it, or is it an ongoing uh, work that you have to do? Uh, well, it's much more the latter. It's definitely ongoing work. But I like the way you framed it, you know, kind of like set it and forget it, you know, fix it. Because we have these habits, you know, we're very habitual creatures. And the thing is, is that most of our habits are quite self-destructive. And so I do with my work, try and keep it very simple and very practical. And there really are a subset of new habits that, in, in my experience, are kind of optimal ways of living and being. And once you understand what they are, and you do that initial work to implement them, they become your default. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel so much like manual labor or pulling teeth to make these changes because it becomes more of your natural way of life. But in the beginning, you know, the first, let's say, you know, year, for example, or the first couple years of overriding your, you know, your self-destructive tendencies is a process of work, but then eventually it becomes you, it becomes who you are. And then you, you're in the world in a much healthier way. And you deal with your thoughts naturally in a healthy way. You express your emotions in a healthy way. You, you know, choose foods and activities that make you feel good because you've realized that choosing foods and activities and company that make you don't feel uh, unwell or you can't be yourself is not healthy for you. So you just get really good at making those choices and they become habit eventually. So in the beginning, it's a little bit more challenging, but then over time it becomes second nature. And then life will always test us, but those tests always prove to be obviously very purposeful and meaningful as we go because then we refine and um, like an artist shaping a uh, sculpture, you know, we get to shape our life more refined and more refined every year that goes on that we have this self-awareness and a, and the capacity to choose healthier things for ourselves. 
how do we how do we set up a a standard or um, what we consider to be good for us that's a great question you know one question i like that really is so simple and then puts it all into perspective is if i loved or valued myself a hundred percent right now in this situation how would i handle it and i think that that's a really good benchmark if i valued myself and and was a hundred percent true to myself and loved my really loved myself and cared about myself how would i handle this situation so that would then determine you know what you say and how you handle a, a partnership that would you know influence how you handle yourself at work and with your boss or your colleagues it would determine you know what you choose for your health that day so i think that question you know if i'm not a religious person but if you're a christian or catholic they have a question you know what would jesus do which is a, a way of framing, you know, how could you behave in the healthiest, most enlightened way in this situation? And, and this question to me has always reminded me of that question, which is if I were to value myself 100% today, my uh, well-being, my mental, emotional, physical health, my authentic truth inside, how would I handle this day and this situation? How is is loving yourself um, different than being narcissistic? Well, that's also another great question. So, um, I think that as humans, we are in denial about the fact that we are all intrinsically selfish. And the irony is that we're, we're both very giving and generous and loving, but we're also selfish. So our, our nature has both. But we have been conditioned to have this shame around our own self-interest, which really is having shame and guilt around our own needs and our own desires. And when we're young, we learn to survive by basically adapting to the environment, a.k.a. pleasing our parents, pleasing, you know, teachers or uh, morphing, you know, to, to, to avoid uh, abuse or avoid punishment or avoid having things taken away like love, like money, like quality time, you know, some kind of support. So we learn from a young age, a lot of people learn from a, a young age to deny their feelings and deny their needs and desires to survive. And it's typically a habit that a lot of people carry with them into adulthood and even to their deathbed. And so then what is underneath that is really a guilt and a shame and a fear, a block around your own feelings, your own needs and your own desires. And so Blake. I try and... Blake, yeah. I need to put a comma there. I have to go to break. Can you stick around for about four minutes? Of okay, of we'll course. dig down on this some more. My guest is uh, Blake Bauer. He is the uh, author of the international bestseller, You Were Not Born to Suffer. And uh, we're going to talk about that and COVID and a whole bunch of other stuff when we come back. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Hawaiians. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Fabulous 60s, the marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel. Who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War. All for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jefferson Airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that'll tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70KSouthbendindiana.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. 
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with uh, the author of the international bestseller, You Were Not Born to Suffer, Blake D. Bauer. Blake joins me by phone. Hey, Blake, welcome back. Thanks for uh, being here. Oh, Tom, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, you know, I mentioned COVID uh, sort of parenthetically before we went to break, and I wanted to bring that up because uh, I, first I wanted to ask you, how long has the book been out? You were uh, not born to suffer. Well, the, the first edition came out at the end of 2013, actually. And and I mentioned uh, in in the introduction, I think, that it's been fully updated and revised. Was that brought about by COVID in any way? No, 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 it actually wasn't. Um, no, we just, I actually had originally self-published because I was, I was a lot younger at the time and people didn't take me seriously back then. And then the book did very well as a self-published book. And then a traditional publisher bought it from me in 2016. And then we re-released it in 2017. But are there things in the book that people could benefit now with a whole different set of reasons for um, being depressed or restless or um, uncertain about the future? Um, what are some of the things that people that are stuck in this uh, sort of uh, shelter-at-home life that we've been leading uh, throughout 2020, uh, what what can they get to, to help make their lot a little easier? Absolutely. Well, so one thing, a very simple thing is the book talks a little bit about meditation. So every chapter starts with a mini meditation so you can do some deep breathing to calm your nerves and relax a little bit. There is a chapter in the book that's very in-depth on meditation practice, how to meditate, how to sit, how to breathe. So very, very thorough, how to set yourself up for a successful experience. And a lot of people say, oh, I can't meditate, which is really just an excuse, and they've never had proper instruction because everybody can meditate. It's just our thoughts in our head and the voices in our head can be very overwhelming for some of us, and so we think there's no way beyond that, but there is always a way beyond that. Um, and then, so beyond, beyond that topic, uh, another important topic that the book explores in depth is expressing your emotions in a healthy way, which we were kind of talking about in relationship to the topic of selfishness earlier. Um, when you're, you know, at home more with the people that are close to you, you know, you have to communicate more effectively than ever because you're spending a lot of time together and then we're facing all this stress and uncertainty um, you know, all over the world and particularly in our homes, you know, with our, our finances, our health, uh, what the year is going to bring, etc. And so we all need to really uh, work on our communication. So expressing ourselves in nonviolent, kind, <clears throat> healthy ways. And so that's something that the book really helps people to understand and do, which is obviously uh, a key to having a healthy uh, home environment right now. And then the last thing that, that comes to mind that's really important is that, you know, if people are at home and they're not feeling well in themselves physically, mentally, or emotionally, 
typically part of that is a bunch of old subconscious stuff that's surfacing from the past. So when you can't run from yourself and you can't numb out and you don't have all these habits that you're used to, whether it's going out to eat or going out to drink or rushing to work or rushing to exercise, and you're really stuck with yourself, basically, a lot of your emotions and unhealed wounds or pain from the past surface. And so the book has very practical exercises after every chapter to help you process all this internal stuff that you're probably uh, facing and feeling and experiencing maybe for the first time in your life or you thought you had dealt with it, but it's popping its head back up. And so it guides you through transforming that stuff inside of you very effectively. And one of the ways you can do that is get a diary or a notebook and answer these really confronting questions that I ask you, which are intended to bring out kind of your deepest, darkest stuff so it doesn't sit inside anymore and make you sick or hold you back so that you can move forward. And so if, if one was to do that, for example, you'd be able to, you know, when, when COVID passes, you'll have kind of cleaned house a bit like a spring cleaning so that you feel lighter and more clear about what you want for the next chapter of your life and how to address you know the challenging situations that you're facing right now can we re-script the voices in our head 100 percent so we can get the voices in our head to actually say different things yes exactly so you're just you we're, we just become used to the thoughts that we think on a daily basis and the and the narrative of the voice in our head and then we think that that's who we are so we become attached to it and identified with it but through a couple practices like meditation you learn that you are not your thoughts or the voice in your head and you start to connect with the awareness and the consciousness that observes your thoughts that can you know, when you're in meditation, there's a part of you that can say, oh, I was just thinking, oh, I, I was thinking about this. So then I ask my clients or when I do a retreat, you know, what's that part of you that can say, oh, I was thinking about X, Y, or Z. And that's your deeper awareness, your deeper consciousness. And the more you access that part of yourself, you can, you create this distance and this space between your inner awareness and those thoughts. And then you start to see, well, you know, one, I don't have to believe everything that I think, because a lot of times we believe everything we think, which is often very unhealthy. And then two, we, this is like a superpower we all have that we don't talk about, is that we all have the capacity to choose our thoughts, and we all have the capacity to guide our thoughts in a direction that feels better. But it's just like at school, you know, we learned geometry and we learned algebra, but we didn't learn how to do this. So it's a latent capacity that you have to cultivate. And it's just like going to the gym. If you want to build bigger biceps, you have to do the repetitions to learn how to work with your mind in this way. You just have to practice through meditation, through things like affirmations. And then in real time, you learn to choose and guide your thoughts in a direction that feels better for you and is more constructive instead of self-sabotaging. But a lot of times, uh, Blake, negative thinking and fear is uh, um, kind of fear of the unknown. And we find ourselves in a situation right now, and, and I can't 
help thinking about the many times that I've said to myself, when this is over, I'm going to do this and this and this. But I don't know when this is going to be over. There's a lot of uncertainty around what's going on in our lives, not just in the U.S., but around the world, as you mentioned earlier. Um, how do we deal with that uncertainty and still make plans and make progress? Well, I think that, you know, my, from my understanding, a, you know, uh, um, a reasonable expectation is that, you know, this isn't going to go away until, you know, uh, you know, this late spring, let's say summer of next year. And so I, it's, I think it's good to have a mindset that's, that, that says, okay, well, the winter's probably going to be a, a little rough with, you know, the flu and cold season. And then we're going to have to come out of this, you know, the middle of next year so that your expectations, you're tailoring your expectations in a reasonable way. And then, so what can I do within that time? Is there, you know, a road trip I can take within the U.S. if I want to travel? Um, you know, how can I see my family in a social distanced, healthy way? So I think just starting with those mindsets as we go into Thanksgiving and, and the holidays, for example, and then you know, how can I, you know, how, if, if I'm not, um, you know, desperate to, for my, for my survival needs like food, water, and shelter, cause some people are, you know, really having trouble, you know, even with paying bills right now. Um, you know, how, what can I do to make the most of this time? You know, is it a lot of people are doing home improvements. People are reading books they've always wanted to read or taking an online class. For example, online courses, I think, are a wonderful outlet. Um, spending more time in nature, walking, you know, for example, because a lot of gyms are closed for people who like to exercise. So maybe making some lists of what are proactive things that I can do for myself that bring me joy, that make me feel well, or that I have an interest in, that this downtime will allow me. Um, I lost my father a few years ago. Uh, my mother got sick, very sick as well. I lost a brother to heroin seven years ago. And so those experiences made me really value my family much more than I ever have personally and realize just how precious the people we love are. And so I would encourage people to enjoy spending time with the people you love as much as you can because, you know, um, the pace of life will pick up again, you know, in six to 12 months. And then, you know, we won't have as much quality time with each other, even though these people might get on our nerves sometimes, you know, one day they're not going to be here, they're going to pass away. And, you know, I, I guess that's another thing that I think is important to keep in mind is, you know, how can I just enjoy the people I love as much as possible right now? And, um, you know, enjoy having meals with these people, enjoy having deep conversations with these people. Um, another thing that comes to mind, Tom, is just making phone calls, you know, to old friends, to family, catching up if you're sitting around or you have time on your hands, um, connecting with people you haven't had time to talk to in a long time. I think that are all nice things that can be productive. Yeah, those, those are good nourishing. Ones. Yeah. You talk about, <clears throat> well, you and others I've heard talk about this idea of letting go of people, habits, and situations that aren't healthy. Um, why is that often described in a passive term 
like letting go rather than driving those things out of your life? Well, there's a couple different perspectives on that. You know, some people believe that whatever you push against is going to push against you. And I think that that's a really great topic actually to bring up because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding around the topic of letting go and how to do it. And basically whatever you give your attention to, you get more of. So Tom, if you and I, let's say we're in a bad friendship, but all I do is keep complaining about you and uh, blaming you and talking to you about it or talking about you to other people, I'm still basically giving all my time, energy, and attention to you or about you as a topic. And so what I have found to be kind of an unspoken of secret to letting go is to actually get really clear about what you feel, what you need, and what you want. So what makes you feel well, what brings you joy, and then to shift your focus, shift your attention and your energy on a daily basis towards those things. And so by, by focusing on the things that, that, do, that do feel good to you, that you do want, that bring you joy, that make you feel well, you actually naturally move away from people and situations and uh, habits that don't feel good to you. So the secret sauce that I, for me has been to figure out what actually makes me feel well, alive, makes me happy, little things, you know, don't have to be big things. Uh, like having a walk or having coffee or, you know, certain hobbies that bring you joy. And the more you focus on the things that make you feel well and alive, you're, you, you become stronger. And then that actually gives you even clearer perspective on, oh, you know, this situation doesn't make me feel good. It's not healthy for me because I've been over here doing these things that make me feel good, that feel authentic, that, that support my my authentic joy and, and who I really am as a person and, and what makes me feel good to be alive. And this situation or this habit, this environment doesn't. And then you become even more effective and quick to choose better for yourself, to choose healthier for yourself because you know in yourself, this is better for me. So that's the key I think is not talked about enough. And then you naturally let go easier because you actually now have healthier habits to fill the space that you used to fill the space with your unhealthy habits of going back to the toxic person, going back to the toxic substance, going back to the toxic lifestyle habit. You know, you and I talk about, <clears throat> um, we're talking about these different things we can do to make our lives feel better. Um, and, and I'm sure that somewhere somebody is thinking, you know, I want to do those things. Then what? <laughs> what's, what's, what's the first step that somebody has to do to begin this process? Well, you know, I don't want to be biased, but a book, like, for example, like mine would be helpful. But there's, you know, there's hundreds of books on the market that are great. You know, another book I love is, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, or there's a book called When Things Fall Apart or The Places That Scare You by Pema Chodron. You know, these are some books that I personally have found a lot of value in over time. So reading a good book, uh, going online and taking, you know, a kind of a personal development course is great. There's a website called mindvalley.com. There's a 
website called Mind Body Green that has good resources, good information. There's so much on YouTube. You could type in any topic on YouTube, right, like overcoming anxiety, meditation. So I would start diving into those things. Um, and then, the, the, as I mentioned earlier, the optimal habits that we all need to integrate are really not that complicated. And I'm going to name them quickly, and then you can, you can dive in. You can sure. ask me whichever you think is the most important. So number one is learning how to express your emotions and your needs in a, a, an honest, totally honest, and then kind way. So that's number one. That's one of the habits that we have the most trouble with is being totally open and honest and then kind with it instead of aggressive. Number two is to basically act in alignment with so integrity, act in alignment with what we feel and need and want on a daily basis because often we feel one thing and, and feel we need something, but then we do the opposite, and that creates a lot of problems. Um, number, th- number three is every day, and especially during COVID, is that everybody needs time and space for themselves. So especially if you're locked down or at home, you know, with multiple people, you need to get out every day and have some personal time, whether that's take a walk or go for a drive. Everybody needs like, you know, an hour, half hour to an hour to themselves just to be with their own thoughts, to be with their own feelings, to move at their own pace, to listen to what's going on inside of them, to just think for themselves and not be listening to everybody else's opinions or, excuse me, the news. So every day, everybody needs a little bit of time and space for themselves. And then the fourth one is that we learn, and this is, you can't pass up any of these, and this one in particular, is that we all need to learn how to take care of our mind. And that's why meditation is so important, because most people are the victim of their negative thinking and tortured by their thoughts or the voices in their head, and then and also held back by their thinking or their limiting beliefs. And so it's really crucial to start to have a a practice of even 10 minutes. I always say at least 10 minutes and there's really no excuse as to why you can't take 10 minutes to do a simple deep breathing meditation. So you become very intimate with your thinking because what most people don't realize is that their thoughts are shaping their life every day. What they think about a person or a situation or what they need to get done then determines their behavior throughout the day. And so if you wake up anxious and scared and your thoughts are all over the place and you're stressed, well, that's setting the tone for your day. So basically the thoughts you think in the morning upon waking basically create, shape, and set the tone for your day. So if you can learn to uh, observe your thoughts in the morning, not get carried away by all the anxious, stressful thoughts, but then learn how to come back to your breathing and your body and find some calm and find some peace and find your center first thing in the morning, then you move through every minute, every hour, every situation with more awareness, more clarity. You express yourself more, you know, in healthier ways. You're able to take that time and space that I mentioned earlier. You're able to act more in integrity. When you wake up in the morning in a state of panic, stress, anxiety, confusion, fragmentation, you're setting yourself up to have not the best day, basically. And so that's why meditation in the morning for just 10 minutes will change everything. Is that as simple as just just clearing your mind? No, no, because and that's why 
so many people struggle with meditation because if I said to you, hey, Tom, just go clear your mind, it's the same with the work I do when people say go love yourself, but the million-dollar question, <laughs> or multi-trillion-dollar question is how do I do it? You know, how do I clear my mind? Yeah. And so, the, so you know, when, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when I was 18, you know, I was tortured mentally and emotionally, but I felt that that's not our natural state of being, that, that that's not how it's meant to be. And so eventually I learned a form of Buddhist meditation, and I'm not a Buddhist, but this is the technique that actually the Buddha taught and has now helped people over, you know, almost 3,000 years. And there's a reason for that, which is basically you just sit, and I like to close my eyes, and you focus on your breathing. You breathe through your nose, and you feel your body sitting where you're sitting, and you observe the breath come in, and you observe the breath go out, and then inevitably, when you notice that you're thinking about anything or anyone, or you're talking to yourself, having a conversation with yourself, as we all all do, you know, every day, it's, everybody's doing it, um, you basically just say in your mind the word thinking. And so you're labeling the fact that you're lost in thought. You're thinking about the past, you're thinking about the future, you're thinking about everything you have to get done, you're analyzing something, and all you do is say the word thinking. And when you say the word thinking, you make a choice to bring your attention back to your breathing and then to feel your body as you breathe. And it's that simple. And so every time you make that choice to say thinking and come back to your breathing, come back to your body, you're making a choice to not be lost in your thoughts, to not be thinking about the future or the past or talking to yourself, but to come back to your breathing and come back to your body. You're saying, my center, my peace, uh, this is the priority right now. And that's actually how you recondition your nervous system and your subconscious mind. And then you actually start to create new neurological pathways by doing that where you can then think in much healthier ways. So, no, you can't just say, I want to clear my mind. You need to know how to do it. You need a technique. And for me, and I've studied dozens of meditation and spiritual uh, you know, schools of thought, this is the simplest and most effective. And, and the truth is, Tom, and I'm sure you know from life, if you don't find a way to work with your thoughts at the core of your mind, they will always hold you back in some way. And so working with your thoughts at the root of where they come from is, is like your, your, your portal, your doorway to all this power, all this peace, to reshape your life and then really just have a better life and then and then you know take care of yourself and be available to take care of the people you love you know so you can all just enjoy your time here you know while we're here and that's like, really you know what it's about unfortunately we're we're just about out of time but i always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future do you have a website i do yes it's unconditional dash selflove.com and then if you just pop my name in google there's lots of great articles and interviews if, you know people are looking for more resources well blake this is a, a fascinating conversation and thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning i appreciate it oh tom thank you for having me all right take care my guest is uh, blake bauer he is the uh, author of the international best-selling book you were not born to suffer we're going to take a uh, short break, but we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program right after this.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman Steady Sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman Sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name this was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Psychological Studies of Famous Americans, and it examines from a psychological viewpoint uh, Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Walt Whitman, people like this, and tries to explain in terms of psychology why these people acted the way they did, that they really did not act from, uh, from valor or anything else, that there were deep psychological problems these people had, and that's why they reacted the way they did. One person they skipped that I thought would be a great subject for analysis, if they had analysis, when he was around, was uh, Ben Franklin. I think he, <laughs> I think this man is ripe for analysis. So this is uh, Ben's analyst, and he's in a typical analyst's office. He has an, uh, a, a desk and a chair and a couch and an intercom. Yeah, uh, who, who, uh, who is it, Murray? Ben, ben Franklin. Um, can I, uh, can I duck him, Mary? <laughs> he's, he's, he's standing right there in the office. He's, he's dripping all over the rugs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, send him in, Mary. Uh, uh, Mary, how, how's he doing on his account? Uh, th- three months behind, huh? Yeah, he's, he's thrifty, all right, Mary. All right, send him in, send him in. Well, hi, hi there, Ben. How are you today? Good. Ben, you want to you want to lie down on the couch there? Uh, ben, you want to put some papers down on the couch so <laughs> don't uh, don't get the couch all wet. Well, I'd I'd say from the looks of our clothes, we've been uh, flying the kite again in the rainstorm, right, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben. Um, we copied down our dreams, did we? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have to. It's the same one. You're, you're walking down the street, and you, you find a half dollar, and your face is on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick, Ben, you know that? <laughs> Washington has the same dream, only he sees his face on paper. Do huh? you want to you give George my number, uh, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben, let's, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this kite fixation thing. Um, the, uh, the lightning knocked you down again, uh, did it, Ben? You're not surprised by that, though, are you? I mean, you expect it to knock you down, don't you? <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, you being a founding father and all, you know, it, uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in people to see a, you know, a grown man flying a kite, you know? <laughs> it's too bad it, it, it isn't something a little more private, you know, you could, you could do in the privacy of your own room, like uh, spinning a top, you know, <laughs> some, something like that. 
You have ever thought of spinning a top end? Wouldn't, wouldn't knock you down. Hmm? That's, that's important to you, is it, Ben? The, hmm? Okay, let, let me see if I have the picture now, Ben. Uh, you're flying your kite, all right, Ben? And you're letting out the string. Everything's the same as usual. There's, there's something different this time. You, you use strips of cloth for the tail. Red, white, and blue strips of cloth. <laughs> where'd, uh, where'd you get the red, white, and blue strips of cloth, Ben? From, from Betsy Ross. <laughs> she, she's got plenty of it. She, she's up to wearing it, Ben? Now, uh, Be uh, Betsy gave you the cloth, did she, Ben? You, you took the cloth. A, a penny saved is a penny earned. Why, uh, uh, why didn't you ask uh, Betsy for the cloth, Ben? She thinks you're a sissy because you wear bows on your shoes. And, and she chased you down the street yelling, you're not thrifty, you're cheap. <laughs> she, uh, she could have something there, Ben. Noth nothing, nothing, Ben. Mm -hmm. why, uh, why didn't you uh, pay Betsy uh, for, for the cloth, Ben? Keep what is dear to you if, if you would prosper. Mm. Ben, I, I think we can get a lot more done if, if you drop the little homilies af after each, uh, <laughs> each statement. Ben, we don't seem to be getting anywhere with a, with a kite thing. Uh, let's switch to something else. How, how are the inventions uh, coming along, Ben? You, you got lucky this morning. You, you don't have to wear your bifocals anymore. The, the lightning fused your glasses to your eyeballs. <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to call them, Ben? Con contact lenses. <laughs> ben, I, I, uh, I sure would like to be more optimistic about your condition, but... Um, <laughs> Afraid I'm going to have to recommend a shock treatment, Ben. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do it because there are always uh, undesirable side effects. Well, what, what we do, Ben, is uh, we stick you inside the Liberty Bell and, uh, and we, <coughs> we uh, ring it a couple times, you know. Well, uh, the problem is you, you, you quiver for about two or three years, you see. <laughs> Ben, I'm afraid our time is almost up. We'll see you uh, next, next Thursday, then. Right. Goodbye, Ben. You get him, Mary? He ran, ran out already, huh? <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Until we walk that fine thing.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 